Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. In a world with a population of more than 7 billion, we're surrounded by people. We live in a hyper-connected world, and yet not everyone has meaningful connections. Here's First Pres Associate Pastor Tim Shaw and the sermon, The Power of Belonging. Well, good morning. Great to see you. I'm Tim Shaw, one of the pastors here. And today I want to talk to you about the power of belonging. And to set that whole discussion up, I want to show you a really amazing scene from The Lord of the Rings. How many people have seen this trilogy of films or read the books? Uh, I love this scene uh, as the fellowship that carries the ring to Mount Mordor uh, is formed. That clip is from the film adaptation of J.R.R. Tolkien's literary masterpiece, The Lord of the Rings. The Fellowship of the Ring is a story of a group of unlikely comrades who overcome jealousy, competitive spirits, and some ancient hatreds to bring lasting change to their world. Each one of them finds a place to belong in this unlikely fellowship. And together they go on to take on this heroic mission and fulfilling the great mission that God has for each one of us the mission that God has for your life, the, God that, the mission that God has for our church, will uh, require that we have a place where we really sense that we belong. Let's pray together, and we'll jump into this theme of belonging. God, we thank you that in Jesus we belong to you. We are so amazed by that, that we belong to Christ, and that you give us a family to be a part of, an ohana, where we belong. So God, I pray that you would deepen that conviction in our hearts that we have a place to belong in Jesus' name. Amen. The text that I'm going to be looking at today comes from Exodus chapters 3 and 4. Moses, I love this guy, is a reluctant hero in this story. God has a mission for him. He's 80 years old, and he's definitely not up for this challenge. You remember this story. For the past 40 years, Moses had taking care of his father-in-law's sheep in the desert of Midian. Forty years. I think there are a few people over 40 years old here in the room. If you are, think back 40 years to 1980. Disco dancing was on its last legs. No pun intended. Mount St. Helens blew its top. The Rubik's Cube and Post-it Notes went on sale. The USA defeated the Soviet Union in the miracle on ice. If you can think back that far, back to those days, that's how long Moses has been hiding in the desert in Midian, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And then suddenly God breaks into his life with a new job for Moses to do. From a bush that's burning in the desert, God calls Moses to turn from herding sheep to shepherding people, millions of them. And Moses felt completely unprepared for a task that big. Who wouldn't? God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and demand that Pharaoh set the enslaved Israelites free. Moses was born a Jew, but he was raised in the household of Pharaoh. But Moses, when he hears this direction from God, thinks it's the stupidest idea he's ever heard. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? 
I think that's kind of a strange response. You were raised in the corridors of Egyptian power. Who am I? Didn't you grow up in Pharaoh's household? You're the perfect person to do this job. What are you talking about, Moses? Then God directs Moses to also go to his people, the Israelites, and tell them that God had indeed seen their misery and he was going to do something about the slavery that they were experiencing. And what he was going to do about their slavery is send reluctant Moses to be their leader. But Moses, once again, pushes back saying, what if they, his own people, do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Why wouldn't they believe you, Moses? These are your people. Why would they not welcome you as a protector of Israel? God had a mission for Moses, but Moses believes that he's completely unqualified for the job. In his mind, there is no way that he's going to be able to lead the Israelites to freedom. In his heart of hearts, he believes that he cannot possibly be the person of influence that God wants him to be. God does want to accomplish something very significant in the lives of the people of Israel. But I also think there is significant work, a work of healing that God intends to do in Moses' life. Moses' reluctance to go to Pharaoh, a man who played a role in raising him, and his reluctance to go to his own people, the Jews, I think comes from a settled conviction that he did not really belong anywhere or to anyone. And that conviction led to feelings of inadequacy and to shame. When God gave Moses this assignment, Moses does not respond by affirming God's wisdom in choosing him for this job. He doesn't say, yes, good idea. In fact, he just says just the opposite. I'm not the leader my people need. You've made a mistake, God. Actually, I think what he's really saying through his reluctance is much deeper than that. He's not just saying, you've made a big error, God. He's really saying, I think, my life is a big error. My life is a mistake. I've never really belonged anywhere. So there is no way that Pharaoh is going to listen to me. And there's no way that the Israelites are going to respond to me positively. But by eventually saying yes to God, Moses is going to learn something extremely important. What he's going to discover is that the very thing that God wants you and me to know today, Moses is going to discover the fact that he does indeed belong. He belongs, belongs to God and to his people. And as he begins to trust that, begins to believe that he belongs, he's going to discover the incredible transforming power of belonging. What God is going to direct Moses to do is incredibly daunting. Most of us would be overwhelmed by such an assignment. Moses is going to need to take a hold of that sense of shame that has immobilized him if he's going to become the leader that God needs him to be and his people need him to be. As a Jew, he never really fit into Pharaoh's household. And as a Jew who was raised in the corridors of Egyptian power, his own people were suspicious of him. When God speaks to Moses from a burning bush, Moses was trying to establish himself in a third culture in the land of Midian. 
When we meet him in Exodus chapter 3, he is all alone in the wilderness with his father-in-law's sheep. He does not know where he really belongs. The Bible doesn't give us much information about Moses' adolescence, but I think that the 1998 DreamWorks retelling of his story in the film, The Prince of Egypt, captures that crisis that he has of where does he belong. That scene retells how Moses ended up in the corridors of Egyptian power where his mother gave him up uh, to save his life and he was taken in by one of the princes, princesses of Egypt. I think the filmmakers get this right, this crisis of belonging that Moses must have experienced. You know, we live in a time when um, so many people feel isolated and alone. So many people, so many, many people, young and old, feel like they don't belong anywhere. Will Vanderhart writes in his book, The Power of Belonging, with so many reasons to want and need to belong, it seems cruel that so many feel they don't. They know that technically they are part of something, a family, a church, a football club, but the feeling of belonging is not there. And then this very poignant quote, actor Robin Williams said, I used to think the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is ending up with people who make you feel all alone. There are lots of people who know exactly what all of that feels like. If you're one of them today, I want to tell that you're not alone. And I have good news for you. There is a very real connection between belonging or not belonging and a sense of shame and adequacy. We all carry a fundamental human motivation to belong in relationships. Will Vanderhart suggests that we estimate our belonging through a subjective sociometer. Within our brains, we have a very complex mechanism which responds to social threats. Because belongingness is so important. It has a good alarm system. This sociometer continually evaluates our social position and its possible impact on our belonging. When we feel like we belong, we experience very positive emotions. When we have increased confidence that we belong, we tend to be able to step into the challenges of our lives, step into the mission that God has for us. But when we determine that rejection or humiliation is on the horizon, we experience negative emotions. And the primary emotion that we feel is shame. A sense of belonging motivates us to invest more deeply in relationships where our sense of belonging can increase. But if we're living with a sense of shame, we tend to take steps to isolate ourselves, like Moses did, to isolate ourselves from others so that we can protect ourselves against further rejection. This might have exactly been the way that Moses felt as a young man, an Israelite who grew up in an Egyptian palace, a palace that was never really his home. So what will Moses need to do to come to terms with this sense that he does not really belong? What do you and I need to do to come to terms with those feelings in our lives that make us feel disqualified, 
unloved, inadequate, not worthy of God's call on our lives? Well, the prescription that God has for Moses is a prescription he has for us. It's not an easy one, but it is really good medicine. We, like Moses, are going to need to face the sources of our shame. And the best place to do that, one of the greatest places to do that, is in the context of community, real relationships with others. Upon receiving this assignment from Moses, argue, Moses argues with God, sharing with God his doubts that neither the people of Israel nor Pharaoh will listen to him. So God gives him the ability to perform a couple of miraculous signs to help Pharaoh maybe believe that he's actually in touch with the God of the universe and to help his people believe that as well. One of those signs has to do with his staff, his shepherd's staff, turning into a snake and then backing into a staff when Moses picks it up by the tail. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Now, I don't have a lot of experience with snakes. I don't really like snakes. But it seems counterintuitive to pick a snake up by the tail, to pick it up and bring it to yourself. I think if you have a single functioning brain cell in your head, you're not going to pick up a poisonous snake by the tail. Um, you're going to grab it from behind its head so you can control it. But God does not direct Moses to pick up the snake that way. He tells Moses to grab it by the tail, which will make him vulnerable to the snake's attack. But when Moses does what God tells him to do, the snake becomes a staff, the very thing that he will lead his people to freedom. The staff to snake and back to staff miracle is a miraculous sign. But I think it also functions as a metaphor in Moses' life. He's going to have to pick up the shame snake in his life. And it's going to be risky to do so. He's going to have to face Pharaoh and the Hebrew people and his sense of shame that comes from the belief that he does not really belong to anyone. Step by step, as Moses trusts God, he's going to discover that he does have a place where he belongs. He belongs first and foremost, to God. He will begin to embrace that truth as he says yes to the risky things that God wants him to do. When we know that we truly belong, we can begin to face our shame. We can begin to be honest with ourselves and with others about our mistakes and about our inadequacies, about our fears. In fact, in the right setting, with mature, loving, wise Christians who make us feel safe to share those broken places in our lives, a deepening sense of belonging can grow. In fact, the good news of the gospel tells us that we belong to God. 
When we put our trust in Jesus, we belong to God. We are part of a great family of people who are following Jesus. We belong. And knowing that, that that is really true, that we belong to Christ, begins to enable us to make connections to other people. And by making real connections to others in a community that is safe, that helps us develop deeper trust that we do indeed belong to God. Do you see how that works? As we know we belong to God, we can take the risk to invest in others. And as they and we invest in one another, we can begin to believe that God actually loves us and we belong to him. Recently, my nephew Bryce got married. He married a wonderful woman who has two uh, children. The wedding and the reception was a great celebration of a family welcoming her children into ours. It was amazing to watch my mom embrace the youngest girl, about eight years old. My mom scooped her up in her arms and told her, you belong to me now. What a great gift for my mom to embrace that young girl. You belong to me now. Have you heard God say that to you? No matter what others have said to you in the past, no matter how others have treated you, God says to you and me, you belong to me. And nothing will ever change that. If you said yes to Jesus, you are in Christ. You belong to him and there's nothing you can do and there's nothing anyone else can do to change that. You belong. So here's a challenge for all of us. Many of you just finished six weeks in a raise the sales small group. I hope it was a good experience for you. I hope you had a growing sense that there could be a place for you, a place where you could belong in this church. If you joined a raise the sales small group that was formed just for the generosity journey, we hope that you will consider taking the next step into community, either with that community of people or with others. We'll be starting new Alpha and Rooted and Just Show Up groups. And there are small groups and other ministries that are available to you right now where you can make a connection to other people in our church. If you want to do that, I encourage you to go to the Next Steps table that Dan was talking about out in the Fellowship Hall, and you can start that journey. We're convinced that these groups can be extremely important in our lives. These small communities become a place where you can know that you belong to others and that they belong to you. I'm convinced that in a safe community like these, you can pick up the shame snake in your life and be honest with others about the ups and downs of your life and find freedom from that shame and begin to take hold of what God is calling you to do with this season of your life. J.R.R. Tolkien, the renowned author of The Lord of the Rings and his brother, grew up in a single-parent family. His father died when he was four years old. And he and his brother were raised by their mom until she, unfortunately, became ill and died. The two Tolkien boys were taken under the wing of a Catholic priest and placed in a home for orphan children. This year, a film about Tolkien's life was released, and it's not surprisingly called Tolkien. Easy to remember. I think it is a really good movie. The story revolves around Tolkien and the three friends that he meets in school. They become an incredible source of encouragement for one another, these four boys. Together they make a pact to grow up together and change 
the world. Each one of these boys had some skills in the arts. One was a musician, another was a poet, another was a painter, and Tolkien had this incredible ability to tell a story. And you can see how this tight friendship between these four young men informed Tolkien as he wrote his story, The Lord of the Rings. It's my hope and prayer that, um, that all of us will find a place where we truly belong. I've been praying about us today. This is a very tender topic. There are adolescents who don't feel like they belong, who are bullied in their schools. There are senior adults who feel lonely and isolated. Um, it's a very tender topic, so I've been praying for us as we sort of take some steps into this conversation about belonging. But it's my hope and prayer um, for all of us that we would find a place where we truly belong. Find hope for places that may need to be healed and brokenness repaired. Places where we can be honest with the broken places in our lives. A place where we can be set free from shame and discover that we do in, indeed belong to God. Because God has a mission for this season of your life. Let's pray together. God, we do thank you that um, you've wired us up to belong supremely to you and to others. Lord, we acknowledge that some of our deepest wounds have happened in relationships with others. And maybe there's some of us today that are really struggling with our relationship with you. Whether you exist, whether you care, whether you are a loving God. But God, you have made us to belong to you and to one another. So God, we pray that you would help us take those risky steps into community to be a part of creating safe, supportive, loving community in our church, in our offices, wherever we go this week. Or thank you for making a way for us to belong to you. And thank you for giving us a family to be a part of where we can belong. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to talk or to pray with someone after the service, there's members of our prayer team, we'd be happy to talk and pray with you. Just come forward and someone will uh, listen to your request and pray for you. Now receive this blessing. Now to God who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his presence with exceedingly great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and honor both now and forevermore. In God's people say, amen. You do belong, first and foremost, and most importantly, to God. And as followers of Christ, we are all members of the same body. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kiona Ole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. 
For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2019 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.